This is the story of America's bloodiest prison, told by the people who lived it, both inside and outside its gates. The brutal history as you've never heard it before, from its origin as a slave plantation to its gradual growth as the bloodiest maximum security prison in America. To those outside its gates, is known as Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. But to those who have spent time inside its gates, it's known as Bloody Angola. Come with us as we take you through the gates and give you a first-hand look at not only the stories of the stabbings, rapes, executions, escapes, and murders you won't find on any TV show or the internet, but also the murders, abductions, attacks, and hostage situations of the staff and their families, otherwise known by the convicts as free people. Bloody Angola is a comprehensive, no-hold-barred podcast that takes you on a journey through time from its inception as a slave plantation to America's largest maximum security prison, where 80% of its population will die inside the wire. Get mentally prepared. Sit back and listen as we cover these stories in detail in ways that you've never heard before from people that lived it, breathed it, and died with it. Bloody angle. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Bloody Angola, a prison podcast, 142 years in the making, the complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And back with us is Miss Kelly Jennings for her second appearance on Bloody Angola. How are you? Still doing great. Still doing great. Still in the same clothes. Still in the same clothes. <laughs> we we actually double recorded this episode, so she has more than one outfit. Y'all. I do, yeah. and I do bathe daily. So. There you go. <laughs> and real quick, Chase team members, we love and appreciate y'all. Thank you for supporting us. We hope you enjoyed your bonus episode and your commercial-free early releases. Yes. We love you, we love you, love you. Thank you so much. Y'all rock. That's all I have to say about that. Y'all really do kick ass important like kelly's at previous episode we, we wanted y'all to get the total bird's eye minds view of bloody angola right inside the wire so kelly got to t- do her teacher thing and tour guide thing and tell you all about it now kelly was a classification officer there and um she loves 
the criminal mind fascinates her and she's dedicated her, pretty much her life to it. It's changing so many of your students. I know I'm getting off track, but so many of your students I know that are cops now, yeah. right? They, that you influence their life that much. But today I want you to tell whatever story you want, because one thing people have that work inside Angola, they got stories, baby. And I know you got some being a young, attractive female, Working inside Angola, holy shit! The the the, so which which one do you want to tell? Being a young, beautiful. Oh God, I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm so not female. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you a story about um a death threat that I got. Okay. Um, but before I start, I gotta tell you this is kind of funny. Um, last night I was um getting ready for bed and was kind of thinking through, you know, what kind of stuff would I want to talk with you about? And um and then I remembered, oh crap. I never told my mom I got a death threat. Oh Lord. <laughs> because I mama was, don't listen. Yeah, mama, <laughs> look away. No, I called her and uh, I was like, hey mom, look, I forgot to tell you when I was twenty three this guy wanted to kill me, but I'm okay now and I'll talk to you. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty so, awesome. Sorry mama. <laughs> now she knows. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so um Take us back to the year and the time and sure. uh, what you were doing and, and tell us what happened. This is probably 15 years ago, 16. I don't know exactly the date, but it's, it's been a while. I was young. I was very young, still trying to figure out my place in the in the workforce, especially in, in the prison setting. But I had gotten my, you know, my my stuff in order and I kind of recognized what I was doing now and I had a routine and I would come in every day. And part of the job of what I did was you had to make rounds on tears. And right. you, you're talking about the listeners who didn't listen to previous episodes. Sure. So you worked inside the gates of Bloody Angola. Absolutely. I worked inside every day with inmates all day, every day, you know, handling business. The worst um, of the worst. Yeah, the worst yeah. of the worst. And um, some days were great. Some days absolutely made your heart, you know, drop into your butthole. And this would be one of those days, right, right, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, I was working at Camp D, which is in the very, very, very back of the of the prison almost all the way to the the army corps of engineers came in at one point and put like a levee around the entire prison so most people think the water's like right behind it it's not but uh camp d backs up to that so it almost looks like you're on a levee yeah so when you go through the gates it's like way back there way miles and miles and miles yes 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 you're you're not getting out quickly if you wanted to run out the front it's not going to work like that but um i had driven back there to work like i normally do i got out um, I went in and it was just another day at work, you know, it was yeah. just prison. And, and I always tried to be pleasant. Um, good morning. How are you? And they, Oh, good morning, Miss Kelly. You know, and how you doing? Hey, did you take care of that? I'm working on it. You got to give me some time. No problem. You know, and, and just trying to do my job. And, um, I went back into my office, which is actually, if they listen to your episode about, um, naps being killed, right. um, my office from what I was told was his, area at camp d Mm -hmm. so um but i did not know him so but anyway so i was in my office and i said you know what i got to go ahead and take go make my rounds so um when you make rounds on a tier basically what that means is these guys are locked up they're not in a free open dorm so you have to go sign into their dorm i mean excuse me their tier and then you have to go up and down the tiers and and give each guy a little bit of time if they needed paperwork if they need to put someone on their call list their visitation hey i got legal work but i'm indigent or I need to get something notarized because that was part of the job too was being a notary um, within the prison. Right. Um, and, and just a lot of clerical type things that you had to handle. And so, like um, an actual notary. 
Or just like no, it was like an interinstitutional notary, if gotcha. you will. So I'm not a notary. Man, this is this is. <laughs> I got something I need you to I witness. Know, right? if you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're getting, no, that's you're why I was like, in, yeah. no, like in the prison, interinstitutional notary is just basically you're you are putting your name, signing on the dotted line because when these guys are sending out case files or things, sure, sensitive material, sensitive right. material. You want to they want a receipt, right. Right. and that's what this whole episode is about: a freaking receipt. Really? Okay. So um, I'm making my rounds on the tier and, you know, just to give a little insight to the people who've never worked in a prison uh, and being a female, we'll add part to it. So, you know, you're told not to wear perfume to, to, to work, try not to dress up, try not to look too attractive, try not. No provocative. Don't no, be provocative. Don't, don't show any cleavage. Yeah. Any I mean, you would think common sense, but we have a facet of the yeah. workforce where these women, it's like, are you on a dating game or are yeah. you here to work? Because <laughs> um, you got a lot of goodies out. You know? um, but uh, so, <laughs> sorry. That's awesome. Okay. So, uh, you know, I wore pants and my little work boots that did have a little heel on them, but I wasn't a sex kitten or anything. I was just right. doing my job. So anyway, I would go down the tiers, but to kind of put you in the perspective, even just talking to an inmate through the bars is a game. Mm. All right. Because one of the games they like to play is, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm here to help you. Hey, I'm so, uh, what? Uh, what? Well, if you're young and you haven't experienced this yet, they will talk really quiet. And the reason they'll talk really quiet is so you'll lean in. And you'll lean in. And you'll lean over what? What? Think about it. You lean over if your shirt falls forward, right? right? You get a little peek. Or or if they want to smell your perfume, sometimes they would. And I'm not saying me. I'm not saying this is me. But sometimes they might get into these mindsets of, oh, she's my girl. or or, And I was not anyone's girl. But they, you know. If you don't know this about that, too, the most quiet time. Do you know this, Woody? No, uh, no. I want to okay. say on that real quick is that get goes back. It's a totally different mindset. Yeah. And I want the listeners to understand yeah. that. the They build these fantasies in their head. Guess what? They're locking the cell. They got 24 hours a day. And, you know. Kelly came out of hell today. Yeah, Boy, Kelly, she, she, she visits me. a lot. Uh-huh, right? right? Um, but what I was going to add real quick was that one of the quietest times in the prison, the quietest times, was around 2 p.m. And the reason that was is because that's when the soap operas came on TV. And they love watching the soap operas because they got to get away in their head. There was love. There was sex. There was drama. There was getting even. And it would be so funny. You see all these guys, right? You're in there for murder, rape, robbery. And they're watching The Young and the Rest. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) General Hospital. Arms up here. Don't talk about Andrea like that. She has amnesia. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Uh, But it was just so funny. But. It kind of just makes you understand, though, they live yeah, a lot of times for what they've got to create a world in their head that works for them. And sometimes that's you're involved in that. And so it's not just walking up and down and talking to people. It's walking up and down. I don't want to be too, too close to the bars. I don't want them trying to smell me. I don't want you grabbing my hair if I got close, wrapping me around the neck. I don't want to get stabbed. Because, um, I mean, you know, if you got into the criminal mind, too, some of them are like sexual uh sadomasochistic type thing they might get off by just stabbing you you know and so you really have to think about it it's not just talking to people Mm -hmm. it's you know keep your distance Mm -hmm. make sure you're not too friendly but be kind but you always had to have the professionalism and the mindset the sugar turn the shit on this in a heartbeat heartbeat. i'm really dealing with 
Yeah, never well, forget where you're at. That's right. That's it. That's situational it. awareness. That's right. Situational. Always have situational right. awareness. And just because they're locked up doesn't mean they can't get you or doesn't mean that they got, don't have a podna out there that right. they're going to get right. to get you. Right. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm making my rounds. Everything's good. And on this day, um, when I went back to my office to do some paperwork, part of it, um, we have what's called interinstitutional mail, right? Mm-hmm. And so... This is mail that if they're, remember, it's huge. So if someone at Camp C wants to send something to main prison or whatever, we have to have a mail route so that they can do that. They can't do it themselves. And, and a so, lot of people that are locked up there are family members. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, generations. Grandpa, uh, son, grandson. Nephews, great nephews, and whatever. Yeah. And so um, that also included free people, uh, if you right. will, or, or your officers or your classification. And so they, I would have to check my mailbox every day, right? So I had checked my mailbox that morning, went and made my rounds on the tier, and then went back to my office, and I'm opening my mail. And when I opened this mail, I had gotten what's called an ARP, is what we call it, an ARP. And if you're not familiar with this, um, it's just like being in school, right? If a kid acts up, we write them up. There's a paperwork trail. Well, in prison, same thing. There's always a paperwork trail for everything because we have to be able to justify why we do what we do. And God forbid we had to go to court behind something. You got to be able to justify that you did your job, too. Well, on the same flip side, inmates are going to be given the opportunity that if they have a complaint, they get to make the complaint. It's not reasonable to think that just because you're an inmate doesn't mean that things aren't being done incorrectly to you, with you, by you, for you. Okay? We have to give them an outlet. Again, it's part of control. If they don't feel like they can ever speak up or they can ever be heard— Right, and, and we covered yeah. that in our episode, which hadn't been released yet. The rule book. Yeah, we had we went through everything. Oh, sweet, yeah. sick! All right, because you don't even believe it that there's right. a rule book when right. they first come. Hey, in, hey, uh, you in there, right? And then the stuff they have to put in it will shock you. Oh, I yeah. mean, you would think so was amazing. common sense, uh, yeah. <laughs> duh, right? But um, kind of like literally getting a rule book for work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rape is bad. Yeah, please yeah. don't yeah. have sexual intercourse yeah. with other people. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I open up this letter, and I've had an ARP filed against me for, like, an administrative remedy procedure. Um, An inmate wanted to sue me for, like, half a million dollars. Well, being young, dumb, and in my mind, court, suit, it's going through, dun-dun-dun, you know, like, I hear the gavel, man, I'm going to, (laughs) I'm poor, I'm making $11.25 an hour, and I'm getting sued for half a million dollars, hell, all I have is a car, you know? But um, Z3. Yeah, that Z3, though. Hey. Yeah. All right. It was a Z4. Thank you. It wasn't a tour. You said <laughs> two-seater. I put two and two together. I, I thought it was a three. But anyway, so um, I go flying into our warden um, at the camp. He's a war- He's not the warden one. It's the big warden. This is a warden over that camp. <clears throat> and so I go flying in there, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm getting to him. And I'm snotting yeah. and carrying on. He was like, hold up, cowgirl. I'm going to need you to, like, take it down. Just a notch oh, yeah. and take a seat. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a million dollars. And he's like, girl. I can pay him 30 bucks a week. You're going to be just fine. We know you here. Yeah. You do your job. Let's talk. You know, and so I throw it out in front of him. And I'm like, I do my job. And I, you know, <laughs> anyway, it's comical now. But then yeah. I was serious. I was right. scared. I wanted to leave. I got I got a murderer wanting to sue me. Right. And he kills people, you know, and he's suing me. <laughs> um, So... <laughs> He goes through it and he explains to me that this is actually a tactic that you need to be aware of that inmates will use to get you back in their life. Okay. So what didn't actually happen was I had a coworker who had certain tears. I had certain tears and I went one day 
just because I had time, and I helped her. And I went and made tears rounds on one I normally don't go down. So these inmates did not normally see me. So when I went down the tier, they got a new face, uh, right? Fresh new, meat. A yeah, fresh meat, a new toy, and I was young. She drives a Beamer. Yeah, yeah. You were you a star of fantasies that night on that you new tier. You would be shocked <laughs> how they knew what car I drove. Oh, they know everything about they you. They knew everything. Yeah, Y'all, they yeah. knew where I was from. Yeah, yeah. They, they, that's... You want to talk that's, about the gossip? As I was going to say, the gossip line, line right? Yeah, the prison, the, the prison buying. Bruh, they yeah. know everything yeah. about anyone and anything. So anyway, um, I had gone and helped my, my coworker out that day. This guy saw me, and his uh, lawsuit was that I was breaking the, the law because I did not continue to make rounds on the tier. You follow me? Well, guess what? D- dummy. Um that's not my tier. I'm not supposed to be there anyway. I actually went above and beyond that day, right? right? But bit me in the butt. Yeah. And um, so I had to do a bunch of paperwork explaining that, no, actually, I'm not your, your person. And it ended up going away. Right. Okay. So, but just to put you in the mindset of the stupid games you play. But Yeah. yeah. And there's a psychological standpoint to that. And that is just what you said. He wanted you back. He knew that was a way to keep you in his life. And if we even What's got to go to, to court, you? right? Even yeah, he gets to see you again. Yeah, we got to hang out. All of that. Yeah. With friends, you know. And uh, it was scary, though, as a kid. You know, I didn't know what to do with it. So, anyway, that happened. So, then I got really hypervigilant about And it went away, y'all. It was stupid. And he even got in trouble for a false report. Right. Okay. But I got really hypervigilant about, hey, girl, you need to be aware of where you are. Make sure you're signing in. Make sure you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's because you don't want to get hemmed up, even if it's by accident. I don't usually think criminal, so I can't foresee criminality when it's in my face. And Lord knows we know a lot of right. times that's happened. Um, so part of my job, like I said, was that I had to notarize paperwork, and they would get a receipt. It was called a disposition, an outcome. So after that happened, I'm at Camp D. I'm back on Raven Unit 3. And um, I'm making my rounds, and I come up to probably, and I want to I say there's 10 or 12 cells on the tier. I'm about four in. All right. And I'm a little edgy that day. <laughs> you know, we're human. Right. And I'm just a little bit on the edge that day. I'm done with dealing with stupidity and all this crap. just want to do my job and go home. So I'm um, talking to this one inmate. I'm not going to give his name, but um, we're having a normal inmate officer conversation and he said, I want a receipt for my legal work. All right, Padna. Well, number one, first of all, I'm not your secretary. Okay? No. I just work here. And I'm glad you need a receipt. And I understand that you need a receipt, but you're not going to talk to me like that. I was done that day. Right. You can ask me, may I have a receipt? Or, hey, would you mind go ahead and giving me a receipt? But you're not going to say, I need my receipt. Give me my receipt. Yeah. That's what's not going to happen today. And I think my pair that I grew in that yeah, moment yeah. dropped substantially because I was in a hot case of pissed off. Right, Sorry, right, Mom. Right. All right. And it escalated very quickly to him racking down. You want to talk? You know, yeah, racking yeah, down? Shaking down? the, the yeah, bars. Yeah, and it, racking down. That's actually a charge. It's yeah. Destruction of state property, even if they don't break it. Yeah, but it's a, a way of bucking out. Yeah, and so I want you to imagine like a you know like a like a gorilla in the zoo like like shaking down on something. He and I'm not going to use the language. You know, I love Jesus, but I'm from the south side of the kingdom. Okay, but but I'm not going to use the language. But he's cussing me. He's mfing me and every other colorful thing racking down. And y'all, something in me snapped. 
it just snapped and I felt it pop in my neck and I felt my face turn red and I bucked up. I bucked the F up and I said things so unbecoming of a female, (laughs) but not only that, I ain't never killed nobody. I ain't never even been in a really solid, good ass whooping before. And here I am bucking up to this dude who, by the way, in his jacket is a flat out murderer with a capital M. This is a vicious dude. He's on that cell block because he couldn't live inside a general population inside bloody Angola because he couldn't live with the worst of the worst. He did something serious to get put there. Yes, he earned it. And here I am. And y'all, the matter I got, the closer I got, and it was so stupid looking back on it. And the closer I got, the closer I got. And he's reaching through them bars, and I am just going at it with this guy. And next thing I know, I feel someone grab me by my shirt and start dragging me off the tier. Okay? And I'm so angry. I'm seeing red. I'm talking about bloody Angola. I think I could have killed somebody. I was so angry. And um, I dropped my paperwork. I mean, I was flashing out, man. He pulls me back away from the tier, and I'm back in the center. And he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? And and he's like, girl, what are you doing? You got to chill out, man. Like, what happened? And I was like, you know, you start, start, like, coming down from the anger. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just messed up, you know. Because I'm a pudding. You know, I'm a kind-hearted pudding with a big-ass mouth, okay? And he's like, Kelly, you know, no bueno, bro. Like, no bueno. Not cool. I'll I'll get somebody else to come down. You need to go calm down. You need to you need to you need to go back. So I'm like, this, you know. So I storm my way back to my to my office and 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 had to like simmer down for the right. day, right? So that was over, and in my mind the day's over. I go home and I'm telling the story to everybody about how I got mad. So then the next day comes and goes, no problem. And then the next day comes. So I come be bopping along, driving down that long drive, and I'm stopping to get my mail. And I go to the office. Hey, good morning. How are you? Yes, I'm going to take care of you. No problem. Let me make my rounds. And then I go in my office, and I sit down, and I start opening mail. And I'm putting in piles of, of what I need to do. And then I get an envelope. It's white, and it's written, says in the top left, Raven 3, sell whatever, and then it says, uh, uh, white female classification officer, Camp D. Cool. That's me. They may not know your name. I don't, right. whatever. And I get my little opener and open my mail and I pull it out and I open it. And I have never in my life felt like everything go, Whoo. And stop and s- slow down. I literally felt it in my ears go, Oof. because that first line I read said, Dear Miss Bitch. And um, I appreciate the miss, thank you for the respect, but they don't talk to you like that, or they're not supposed to talk to you like that. And you put this in writing, and I realized instantly this probably is not going to be good. And so I started reading it, and I just could feel like my hands got numb. I felt my heart literally drop into my butt. I felt my legs literally get almost weak because, and I've memorized it. I know exactly what it says to this day. It said, Dear Miss Bitch, 
uh, you talk, and, and I'm sorry for the language. I just want to no, ahead a, of time, but it's, it's a, yeah, it's the truth. Um, you talk all that shit in front of that free man, bitch. Um, I'm going to F you good and hard when I get out on that walk, bitch. I'm going to be out on that walk real soon. I gone to kill you. And then he signed it, his name. Wow. Right there at the bottom. And maybe just hearing it, you're like, okay, whatever. He wrote you a note. This isn't a note from a mad neighbor. No, no. You know, this is a note now from someone that, honestly, I didn't know who it was because he signed it his street name. He didn't sign it his real name. And when they write letters, they have to put their um, DOC number, Department of Corrections number on there. It's their identification number. Because we got a lot of, like, John Browns or whatever. That's what... Everybody goes by, it, yeah. you know. You're a number. You're a number. That's exactly yeah. Now, I'm a human, and I got to know people by name, mm-hmm. inmates that I dealt with a lot, or, you know, like I had a clerk. Um, I don't guess I'll give his name, but yeah. I, I had a clerk, and he was an older black gentleman, and I kind of smile when I think about him because I liked him. He was just a old man. He had been there, I think, since he was 15. Wow. And he was in his maybe 70s at this point, and he really – looked out for me. It could have been a game, but he did look out for me. I remember one time and and I'm getting something, but I remember one time I went to go do something when I was freshly new and he was like, Oh, uh, Miss Miss Kelly, Miss Kelly, come see real quick. And I turned around. I was like, yeah, what's up? You can't do that. I was like, what? Don't tell me what I can do. You know? And he's like, no, 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 no. Let me explain. And he actually explained the rule to me that I did not know. He he really kind of helped me. And I don't know. Do you ever experience that? Lots of times. Yeah. You, You just don't realize it. Right. Um, well, he was either he was in there when I opened it or he had come in there after I opened it and he could tell by the look on my face something was just not right. I guess the color drained. And um he was kind of like, You all right? And I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I didn't know what to do. Um, because uh that's never happened before. And it, it, uh, this is part of I guess knowing that rule book and knowing what to do. I actually made a mistake, if you want to be completely honest. I went up to main prison and turned it in. And went to go talk to their investigative unit. I really should have gone to your people, pulling rank and gone right. to my people. I didn't know. I was chain young. Of, uh, chain of command. Chain of command. Yeah. And so shout out to anybody who's new in the profession, whether you're law enforcement or whatever. Learn chain of command. Make sure you understand it. Um, but I was new. Um, and they, their reaction then made me really nervous. They didn't go, all right, we'll take care of it. They were like, stop, sit, come here. We need to go back in time. We need to talk. We need to. And then like six men came in and really started hammering the questions. And, you know, my, ch- my jaw started chattering because like, crap, this is real. This isn't fake. You know, this is real. Right. Well, then after we had the long discussion, he said, or one of them said, all right, you can go back to work. And I, I was like, what? what? There? Yeah, right. <laughs> Where <laughs> I just came yeah. from? Yeah. Yeah. You can go back to work. We're going to, we're going to, we'll, we'll look into it. So I, I went back. Now it's different walking in mm-hmm. when you've got a mark on your back you know, right. or a tar- you feel like you're a target. Right. And I want you to imagine, I know we talked about last, last episode, that you're in like a chain link cage, uh, on, even on all the walkways. There's you, there's concrete, there's chain floor to ceiling, and there's a concrete ceiling above you, and there's a key man, right? And key man is the only guy that can get you from point A to point B. You don't have, I don't have keys. I don't have a gun. I don't have anything. I got a mouth that I can scream from and maybe a whistle if I had it on me. Yeah, right. And I'm carrying 
a briefcase type situation with a ton of paperwork. And I, you really need to feel this with me. Uh, um, a briefcase full of paperwork that as part of my job, I have to carry around. My hands are full. Um, I've got to get to, from point A to point B. I've got inmates in my face all day long, asking questions, wanting to talk to me, wasting my time, really needing something. And now I don't really know who wrote that to me. So it dawned on me, obviously, after I calmed down, this must be old boy that I got into it with. Because I did. I talked mad shit mm, yeah. <laughs> in front of people, um, which I don't advise. So it happened around that time. I don't have the time frame, too, that they did find a weapon out on the yard that was buried. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to claim that was for me. Uh, it was really uh, interesting timing that that happened. But that even more made me scared of what could happen. Y'all had to do my job. Okay. I'm not a chicken. I manned up. I went in there and I did my job, but don't think for a second. I wasn't looking over my shoulder. I was going to say, looking over your shoulder and listen for a door to pop. Listen for anything. So I'm back on Raven unit again that day or or whatever. I'm making my rounds and it never really struck me that um, when they did chow call, they released everybody out. You know, it's almost comical, like everybody's in a cell and then they open them and everybody walks out. You know, it's it's not like we fed them there. Um, And so everybody came. I I don't recall if these were workers that had come in from work call. That's what it was. They were working um, the fields and they would walk in and then I guess go to chat, whatever it was. I don't remember. But I found myself locked out of Raven unit because the door was locked. And I'm in the chain link hallway that came down, and then there's the door, the, the the next gate to go through. Y'all, it was me and probably 75 inmates standing there. I am literally in the middle of this crowd. Holy crap. And I'm shorter than the entire crowd. And it dawned on me, like, you're not in a very good spot right now. If he did have someone, or if he's in this, I don't even know he who might he have been is. on that block. He might be right there with yeah. me. And I, my blood pressure, you know, it went up. So I started jumping and I was going, key man, key man, <laughs> key man. And, uh, he couldn't hear me. He was all the way down at Eagle unit. Like, key man. Well, then the inmates started getting rattled because right. they don't know why I'm jumping and screaming right. key man. So the inmates are like, Hey, key man, key man. She, classifications yelling, classifications yeah. yelling, you know, and I'm jumping. Hey, Hey, well, it got some people's attentions. And then the inmates, again, that grapevine, they all started like down the, she's yelling for you. Well, then you hear him run in, you hear, and if you hear keys, what's that mean? Yeah, people are coming. People are coming to you, and so he comes running, and he. I'm like, hey, hey, I want out of here. I want out of here. And like, she wants out of here. And they, I think they were freaking out because I, they didn't know why I was tripping. And I'm like, get out of my way, get out of my way, get out of my way. And I'm like, making a a path through. And um, key man opens the gate and shuts it back. And he's like, you all right? I was like, I'm fine. Um, From now on, please don't lock me in. And I kind of had to let him in because everybody doesn't know what happened. You know, please don't let me be locked in. Um, From that point forward, too, I would tell him catch a side, and I would part the water, man. Like Jesus coming through, park the water, let me let me come. And um, from that point forward, too, I would be very cognizant of where I was, who was around me. If I did get to the gate and he couldn't get to me immediately, I sat with my back to the gate and I would face the inmates. I guess I was going to see my death coming. I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but I was going to try, you know, to not get hurt. Um, Obviously, I didn't get hurt. He didn't get me. I win. Um, (laughs) 
didn't, I didn't die. I hope you listen, punk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, they did end up figuring out who it was. And I was and your grammar is horrible. I know. Not gone kill me. You're going <laughs> to kill me. Yeah. Turd. Yeah. Um, that's a big talk, y'all. I'm behind a microphone yeah. right now with Woody. <laughs> and he's about 60 miles away. Yeah, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Um, but they figured out who he was through a handwriting analysis um, because the, the inmate, I don't, he, he had been injured. And so he was not writing correctly. Um, and his street name, somebody gave them who that would have been. And mm-hmm. so they, they connected the dots and then he got thrown in camp J. Right. Right. Which, which was is, open at the time. Which was worse than death, right? Yeah. Cause you, I mean, no you get fed a food yet. loaf there. Um, yeah. Have yeah, you, have you, did yeah. you explain it? No, I haven't yet. You want to, or you yeah, want, you, you want me you, to? Yeah. Okay. okay. So a food loaf um, you know, you can only lock somebody up so much, and once they're locked up, if they don't care, you're not really, you know, touching an angel there. They're not, right. they're not getting the message. But I'm telling you, food. People get mad when their food is mm-hmm. gross because they look forward to food, you know. If, and so they'll take your potatoes, your greens, um, your dessert, everything. Mix it all up, and they'll <laughs> mix it all up and bake it into a nice little loaf. But like a meatloaf of everything. Everything. But you know what? That, it man. is calorically and nutritionally correct. And they they actually done the studies. And yeah. when they mix it together, that's, hey, three hots and a cot. It may not be hots, but three meals and a cot. And we're going to keep you healthy. We didn't tell you it was going to taste good. Right. Yeah. There is no law that says your food must taste good. Nope. Thank God, because my kids would be suffering right now, because I'm not the best cook. <laughs> you know? But there's no law. It's got to taste good. It's just got to be nutritionally right. sound, and That's they've right. got to be fed. And, hey, it may, to some people, be sound barbaric. But if it does sound barbaric to you, you then, my friend, have no concept of what it's like to control a population that doesn't give enough. That's right. And Like you said, hope in a previous episode or whatever. Yeah. But the when you're down from multiple life sentences and you know you're going to die in this place, they don't give a shit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What are you what are you gonna do? Are you gonna give me another one? Yeah, what you gonna put me on life row? You gonna give me another life? I mean death row. You gonna send me to Camp J for threatening Miss Kelly? Yeah. Okay. Okay, sure. Yeah. Put me there. Uh, they don't care. And you, well, you gonna put me on death row where I'm gonna sit now with all my appeals right. for thirty five right. years yeah, and die yeah, natural yeah. causes right. anyway? Right. Please. So um but anyway, he he did end up getting locked up there, but it did change a lot about y'all, this is real, you know, and these inmates will look you in the face. And I don't want to talk bad about all inmates, y'all. I don't. Not everybody qualifies for this statement, but a lot do. Will look you in your face, smile, be kind, show you respect, and they would cut your throat in a heartbeat. Ask Brent Miller. Yeah. 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 And uh, just to kind of. Okay. So that story is a prime example of never forgetting the situation you're in and the realness of bloody Angola. Uh, the letter that guy sent you, he fully intended upon doing that, intended upon doing that. It was no longer uh, a job in which you had no threat. Yeah, and real, real. yeah, it, I mean, I'm sure for you, you, you know, like you said, the whole color washed out of your face. Well, you know, in law enforcement, there's a saying, if you didn't write it down, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Well, there's a saying in prison too. When they do write it down, it's going to happen yes. or they yeah. mean it, yeah. especially when you sign yeah. your name to yeah. it. And he didn't put his, his government name. He put his street name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a play. And the, he knew 
he was going to cause you mental anguish. Even if he could never get out and rape you or even kill you on the walk like he said he was going to do, mm-hmm. he knew he was going to cause you mental anguish right. by doing it. And that was worth the trip to Camp J for, for him. Yeah. However many He told me, I may I said I memorized it. I, may, I don't know if I said it all completely. He said, I'm going to cut your throat. I'm going to F you good and hard, and then I'm going to cut your throat. That's what it was. That's why the knife tripped me out. Yeah. Um, I have a copy of that death threat. And, you know, I don't know if you've even talked, you've spoken about this because, you know, I'm busy and I, I listen, but I get right, it in right, segments, you right. know. And But there is something to be said about law enforcement and correction officers and mental anguish and the fact that it's not like it stops when you go home. Y'all, I took my name back then. We still had, I think we still had flip phone books. I requested to be taken out of the phone book. Um it really lent itself to, I don't want my family getting hurt. And now with Facebook, just as a warning to people, you better be careful what you post oh, yeah, and the, what you say. And if you put your kids on there, the, this has affected me long term. Uh, to this day, I will not go into a restaurant or anywhere unless I'm sitting in the back where I with can see back. the door. Yep. Because, hell, I, I damn sure ain't going to the fucking Angola Rodeo. Yeah. Uh, where they're walking around, the people I put up there for life plus, right? right. I'm like, holy shit, what is here? I mean, gas would be the least, uh, yeah. you know, shit on me would be the least of my worries. And you better bet uh, they know you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They know. I mean, they and, know and, you. And the, so it's a very real traumatic deal. And then what do you do about it? I mean, you just have to live with it. But that's also the career that you've chosen. And, absolutely. and but the, I think that the, what, the, your first episode when we painted the picture of the prison and different dormitories and all that, that's fire, right? Mm-hmm. Listeners need to hear that. But when they hear that, they can never forget. I mean, and we're going to continue to strive to do this every episode. They can never forget that true evil lives inside that wire. And it, it, some of them, some of them can be reformed and shit. I get that. But I'm telling you some, some can't. Some can't. Period. Yeah. Hey, Jesus is real, but the devil is real too. All right. Let me tell you the devil. Hey, I think I saw the devil one time. Okay. And I know people are like, oh God, here we go. But listen to me. This guy, totally different guy, totally different story. I wouldn't even plan on talking about this. He was on lockdown. He was at main prison and he was on the left side of the main walk. I can't remember which one was A, B, C or D. And, And part of my job too was that before an inmate was released, it, which was rare. I mean, this was oh, not yeah, most, common right. back then. Was that um, I had to go give him some pre-release information. Well, this guy happened to be a sex offender. And um, he, um, f- from what I remember from reading his jacket. So I guess I need to tell the listeners. Yeah, um, the a jacket is their record. That's what we call it. So if you the, pull a jacket, you're reading. Like their file. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I pulled. history. I pulled, I hope I'm not confusing his case, but just to give you a case, I think it was this one, but um, I pulled some jackets one time. This stunned me because you don't know evil. You can read evil. You can look evil in the eyes, but you don't know evil until it's uh, a victim is a face is put to a victim. I'm a victim's advocate, and I think that they need to be the face on the screen, not the guy who did it. It, it gives me the guy that's right. What did we just do? Yeah, I, I ran them right through my head. So I, I with, the, with the Brent Miller and the Angola 3, we did a three-part series on yeah. that. And our whole point to that series was to put a face on Brent Miller because – 
the Angola three have been the media media darlings uh, because of the forty years they spent in solitary confinement. But everybody forgot about the guy who got stabbed who with a lawnmower blade. Who was in solitary confinement six feet under? Correct. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, time yeah, too. yeah. Shit, I never thought about that. It gave me the, the and they got to talk to, to their families. He didn't. A and and with Fox dying today, maybe we dropped Brent's first episode. I don't believe that's a coincidence. He's the last one. Uh, the day we dropped the first episode. The, the deal being, I remember I read. The deal being that I always say, try to put the human face on the victims, right? And and uh, the angle of three things, all the documentaries and shit, they, three of the four documentaries we watched didn't even say Brent Sane. They never say, said his name. Let me tell you this. John Mayer has a song. That was an old song, right? Waiting on the world to change. But there's a line in that song that always struck me. And he said, I can't sing where the damn, okay? But sing but <clears throat> when they own the information, oh, they can bend it all they want. You're getting a lens. You're seeing it through a lens that has a director, that has a, a, a goal of getting viewers. And all of that is done through the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? That's what gets the ratings. That's what the new. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little passionate. Yeah, that's, but that's what the news media does. They give you half- Truths, and if you're of any salt and of any character, character, you need to be smart enough. Even in today's times, when you watch the news, half of it's correct, half of it. Because it's called the whole a narrative. Story, yeah, the whole story isn't good enough because it's it, because it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? And so um, back to this guy, I was reading his jacket, and I ended up there was an actual. Um, uh, court transcript in this jacket that I was reading. And basically, this guy had bent his nephew, I think it was, a child, over a couch and had his way with him. Raped him anally, I would say. Yes. And, And, you know, I sit back to the horror of that, but where's that baby now? What's his life like now? Yeah. And did he get the scope of the care and the and because I, I know the demographic of the family that this kid was likely in, and I'm not convinced that he got what he needed. Locking this guy up didn't get that victim necessarily right. what he and I have no concept. I don't know. Right. But now I'm gonna go walk and look this guy in the face to say, Hey, you're getting out. Mm-hmm. And you know what he did? I walked down the tier. It shook me too, and you know body odor, right? Yeah. I don't know. There's a thing about mental Ill- illness in prison and hygiene. I don't care. It doesn't work right. well together, uh, and and I, that's not a stigma for everybody. I'm just saying in prison. Right, right. Um, but I walked up to the tier, and I, then I walked in front of that cell block, and I can see his face to this day. And he he walks up to the bars, and he just looks at me, and he's probably a just to give you a description, I'm looking at probably a 40-something, maybe 50, because you know, age is weird, but um, black male with um, like twisted hair, and one eye looks up and to the right, and one eye looks kind of down and forward. And while he's looking at me, he's almost going like, <laughs> like making this noise, and his eyes kind of shook and bounced. Like nystagmus, like it was, it was odd, and I'm looking at him, and it just like I took a step back. He stunk. He smelled to high heaven. 
Um, and I just kind of backed up even more because I was like, this is not normal. And I'm reading off stuff to him about, like, you, know, you can't be within so many feet of a school. When you're in your residence, you need to check in. We need to make sure, you know, all stuff. And he starts, like, smoker breath laughing. <laughs> you know? He's getting off. And then he cocked his head aside. He said, I don't give a shit what you tell me I can and can't do. I'm free. Mm. Well, not today, Padna, because you just committed something that we need to discuss. Uh, you don't talk to me like that, right? Uh. Um, but that's evil. You know, I walk past inmates every day. They're like, good morning. How are you? And just, like, seem like decent people. And a lot of them really were first-time offenders. You know, and if you look at it statistically, the demographics, a lot of them are first-time offenders. Maybe it was first time getting caught. But, like, you know, they got caught up in a drug deal. They shot somebody. They didn't have a life of evil. Right. This guy was a different animal. I mean, this was – and you're locked up. You've been down 30, 35 years on a charge, and you're still in cell blocks? Yeah. And we're releasing you? Yeah. And in you're in for raping babies. How how many babies did they rape that they didn't catch? Oh right. Yeah. In because I'm not convinced the first one was the first one. No, no, no. He just got caught no. that time. Right. Um, mm. evil is something that with age, you know, I'm, I'm almost forty now, but with age, I've rec- I realize evil is not obvious. The devil's master warrior. Bro, he's he, working he can, hard. He can disguise people, right? Yeah. That guy's face in that environment made it obvious. If I saw him walking on the street or walking through Target and he wasn't laughing at me mm-hmm. and we weren't in this enclosed setting where he had me as his object of mm-hmm. of direct communication, I wouldn't think twice about him. He could put his whatever face in. He wants one, right? His public face. Yeah. And then till the next time he gets a kid near a couch. Yeah. Uh it's, it's mind-blowing, some of the things I've read. And one time, again, a different story, but um, right. <clears throat> there was this inmate there who every interaction that I had with him was pleasant. Every single interaction I had with him was pleasant. He never once was not a decent, just like me, you and I are talking today, respectful, um, good guy, if you will. Now, his victim would not agree, and I, I totally understand right. that, but as far as my firsthand experience with him, no problems whatsoever. He was stood out to me because he had been in, I believe, a meth lab explosion. So he was a crispy, I mean, he was burnt. He was melted. His ears were melted. His whole face was melted. Um, it, and um, I'll never forget, a lady wrote the prison. Okay, so we have these groups out there that, and I don't want to get too deep, okay, but, but it's real, okay? You know, I understand that everyone in prison has someone who loves them. I totally get that. You know, I last year suffered um, a loss to my heart where um, two very good friends of mine that were good people, both of them. And I'll never say different. They were both good people, but something happened in that household. And a guy that I loved, love as a friend, murdered my other friend, they were husband and wife. It's very hard to sit back today, you know, a year later, and and I love the murderer, and I love the victim, and it was tough. You know, I went to two funerals in one day, and, and it was hard to separate the funeral I just left. You caused it, but then again, you're a good man. You were a good man. I, I don't know what happened. I can't tell you what happened, but I'm going to go to my grave saying that it went wrong 
But I understand now that people, I, I, it's solidified in my mind what it's like to love a bad guy. I don't, or, or a guy that made a bad decision. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we have these groups out there that are so blinded by the goodness of humanity. And I say that stupidly like that because it's it's like you, you're like, you don't understand the full picture. And they write these letters about you need to let him go. You need to, you don't understand. He's reformed. He's this, he's that. Okay, man, well, with all due respect, I don't really give a damn what you think needs to happen because you haven't read the jacket. You know the snippet that was on the news for 30 seconds. And, and the face that the convict puts on for them. Oh, get, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, writing letters. It's just like you seeing the guy on Target. If, if he, whatever face he wants to put on, you know, they got 24 hours a day to write the letters, and, and I'm a good guy, and da 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 and you get these bleeding hearts that right. want to Right, and as soon as they champion. mention, and I love Jesus Christ, and I will say that loud and proud to anybody in this that's listening, right. um, but I understand Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as well. And, and you can't pretend to love Jesus and 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 write these letters to these people, and these people buy it hook, line, and sinker. I believe in humanity. I do believe in reform of of some people, uh, but they played the game. Yeah. Please don't get caught up in the game. These women that go marry these guys in prison, oh, yeah. it's a game. I watched two females fisticuffs fight it out because the inmate that was madly in love with both of them nixed his days up of visitation and had both his women come up there on the same day. Wow. The games are real, you know, mm-hmm. and um. But this guy that was all burnt up, this lady wrote this letter about we needed to let him go and blah, 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 blah. And so I felt like I wrote a very nice response. But I was matter of fact that, ma'am, I think you don't understand the prison system or the role of the prison system because we didn't put him here. Right. He put himself exactly. here, number one. Number two, the judges ordered it. Mm-hmm. We can't release him. Yeah. But might I um, inspire you, if, if, if you will, to actually research what he's done and not listen to what he tells you he's done? Or not done because he's minimizing to the nth degree. Right. And there are real victims, cold as a slab of ice, underground, that haven't moved, that haven't talked to their mother, that haven't talked to their children, that haven't talked to their father. They didn't get to see their kids graduate high school. They didn't get to see their grandchildren born. So I'm sorry you feel sorry for him and his hard life he's living in prison, but maybe you ought to visit the gravesite. First, try that on for size. It's powerful. It's and, and I'm sorry I get so passionate no, about it. But so love it. Love if, the passion is real. If bad. you've never seen it, if you've never done it, you know, I'm not a brain surgeon. I don't know how brain surgery works. So I'm never going to advocate on how it should be done because I have no clue. I want people to get good care. I'd like the doctor to not be, uh, to not be stupid. Hmm. And I'd like, you know, but other than that, I have no dog in the fight. These people don't understand what's really going on. They don't have the full totality of circumstance. And then they're begging and writing their legislators and, and let these people out. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't either. But you, you know, the, it goes back to the concept, right, Jonah, that the, 5,000 plus inmates, I think it's close to 6,000, maybe over 6,000 now. You have to put a percentage. Yes, I believe some people, you know, can turn their life around, blah, blah, blah. But there's some people who don't care to turn their life around. No. I know some of them that I've sent up, the, the worst of the worst, they, they're putting on their face 
and they have trustee positions and stuff like that. And they're telling people, oh, no, no, my wife set me up or that, um, you know, it was a bad custody battle. Those kids were lying about me, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And guess what? Motherfucker, I know. I know, I what, know you, what you did. Yeah. I sat across the table. I looked you in the eyes. I know you're evil and you're up there playing your game. Right. Yeah. But that, that Angola, I don't know that anywhere else in the world that that's is such a concentration of pure evil. And I'm not saying everyone, but I know, I, and you know, mm-hmm. that they're there and it's real. And it's, it's an everyday take a breath as a correctional or as a professional. Mm-hmm. And you never know when it's coming. And, like you got the letter. And there's duality in the, in the name bloody Angola, because not all blood was shed and victims suffered. And, People forget the victim. I agree. And we need we need to really, I think, be proponents of that. That, that. Don't forget the victims. They're real. They're out there. That was fire. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't even add anything to that that hadn't already been said, uh, except thank you for sharing those yeah, stories. No, no I know those Simply. weren't the easiest ones to tell. Um, and we do want to let the uh all of our chase team members uh, be aware that we're going to have a, a couple of stories locked up in the what Woody in the solitary confinement vault. Yeah. So uh, if you're not a member of the chase team on Patreon, uh, go check it out. Uh, we're going to have commercial free. Well, we do have commercial free unedited episodes that you get early. every week that are early releases. And in addition to that, we're going to have, the awesome Miss Kelly Jennings uh, share a couple of more stories just for you Chase team members. So uh, check check all that out. It's coming at you soon. Locking it up, and the it'll be the beginning of many great episodes. They're going to be locked up, exclusive for Chase team. So y'all, yes. it's it's if you can't be Chase team, we get it. Or Patreon, our supporter, we get it. We love all of you, but you know, Chase team obviously helps us. But we had people um, request commercial-free episodes, and that was a way for us to bring that to you. But with that requires a little bit more work, a little bit more expense. So uh, check it out. And Kelly, absolute absolute fire. You had me enthralled uh, the whole time, right? Yeah, that was was freaking awesome. (laughs) That was amazing. The the truth is scary sometimes. Stranger than fiction, fiction. right? (laughs) And... um, Thank you so much, and I can't wait to do a Chase Team episode with you and Aspire. We also want to thank, obviously, all of you that review us. Please, if you have not done so, go to on on whatever platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook. Just give us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, Rate us, you know, hopefully five stars uh, on that platform. If if we ruined your day so bad that you – We'll leave one star. That's okay, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just write us and review us. We read. Woody and I yeah. both read every single one of those, and uh really makes our heart feel good uh when y'all do that, and it helps other people find the show. That's, that's the most that's important the thing. thing. I don't know. People don't get that. I didn't get that for years uh, with Real Life Work, Crime, et cetera. That's part of Apple's algorithm or something. Um, the more reviews you have, when people go to search for it, they, uh, it helps them find it faster. That's right. I don't know. That's exactly right. It, it, it,
moves up that feed and and uh, Google allows people to find it faster. And, and it just takes a minute or two. And obviously, y'all are doing it because we've been consistently in the top 10 in the world with Bloody Angle. Yeah, yeah. Total, so, all, and, all good and, things. And shout all out blessings. to all our sponsors. Thank you. Yes, thank you to all our sponsors. And uh, for those of you that are watching the commercial episodes, uh, check those people out if you're in need of those services. They supported this show. They support this show, and we really appreciate it. We stand by a thousand percent every one of those Take folks. It to the bank, Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton, host of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making, the complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.